Well, I wonder if you can tell me if you have any idea what my favorite TV program has been so far this year. I've got a few clues to help you, help you guess what it is. Um, these are going to come up on the screen. So here's the first one. There it is. <laughs> okay, that's the first clue. Maybe that'll... Well, here's the second clue. Let's see what, see what this one is, see if it narrows it down a little bit more. Does the sound work? It goes... Okay, sound effect didn't work. But uh, third clue, third and final clue, and I think most of you will get it after this. Can anybody tell me who this is? Hands up. Jennifer? Britain's Got Talent. This is Diversity, that's right, that's um, Diversity, the group, the dance group that won Britain's Got Talent. That was my favorite show this year so far. It's been uh, quite a bit of good telly, but that's been my favorite. Did anybody else enjoy watching Britain's Got Talent? Let's have a show of hands. Who likes Britain's Got Talent? Yeah, I liked it. It's good. It's quite entertaining. For those of you that haven't seen it, let me see who hasn't seen it. Okay, some, some of you haven't seen it. Let me explain what happens. You've got, uh, each week you've got a whole host of performers, um, some of them are in groups, like diversity, some of them are just individuals. And they audition their talent in front of a stage, uh, an audience, uh, and three celebrity judges. And if the performance is good, they get to go through to the next round, and they might end up winning the opportunity to perform for the queen at the variety performance. But if they're rubbish, they get the dreaded, and uh, they can sometimes be booed off the stage as well, which is a bit unpleasant. Well, um, I quite fancied um, showing you one of my talents this morning. We've had Stephen. He's been pretty, uh, pretty good with, um, with his guitar. He's obviously a very talented guy. And I think I'm a talented guy as well. So uh, I thought we'd have our own version of the show. Uh, Charlotte's Got Talent. Have we got the titles? Maybe. <laughs> Talent. Uh, my name's Pierce Morgan. <laughs> Next to me is the beautiful Amanda Holden, and the guy on the end calls himself Simon. Uh, welcome to Charlotte's Got Talent. What's your name? My name is Mike Stark. Hi, Mike. What are you going to do for us today? I'm going to tell you some fantastic jokes. Mike, do you think you've got what it takes? To win Britain's Got Talent. Oh, Simon, I'm wonderful. I've been entertaining people for years. You can forget Billy Connolly, Michael McIntyre, Jack D. They're, gonna, they're pale in comparison. I'm going to blow you away. I'm going to take the world by storm. You're going to go away from here knowing uh, in your heart, glad that uh, you, you heard the name Mike Stark. Okay, uh, whenever you're ready. I called in sick for work this week. Uh, I spoke to my boss and said, <coughs> I've got swine flu. He said, ah, you're telling porkies. <laughs> I said, no, 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 I'm coming in rashers and everything. 
He said, I'm sure you can get an ointment for that. <laughs> I've got some more jokes, wait. Why, why do penguins carry fish in their beaks? Because they haven't got any pockets. I, wait, 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 I can juggle, I can juggle. Well, Mike, how, how do you think it went? Well, Simon, it would be really nice if you just give people an opportunity to finish off their act. These jokes were excellent. I can't understand what's going on. Mike, do you think people were laughing with you or at you? Amanda, I've been entertaining crowds for years. Mike, I think I speak on behalf of everyone, um, maybe with the exception of one or two of your family. <laughs> when I say, you are just not funny. Well, Pierce, it's this particular microphone. I just wasn't used to it. There was a lot of feedback. I, I, just, I couldn't hear the audience's applause Mike, and cheer Mike, Mike, and laugh. With, with the greatest respect, you, you, you don't really have any talent. And if you do, it's certainly not comedy. So I, I think we better draw this to a vote. Amanda? It's a no. Pierce? Definitely no. It's a never, ever, Mike. <laughs> okay. Thanks, guys. Well, for those of you that missed the show, that was a little bit of a flavor of kind of what goes on on a weekly basis. You'll be glad to hear there are some people with some genuine talent, which is good, like Diversity, the dance group that won. But then you do get these oddballs, these kind of, uh, these odd people who are convinced that they've got talent when clearly they don't. And they're, for me, they're my favorite. They, <laughs> they think they're amazing and they just aren't. They're terrible. Well, we're going to uh, read a short parable that Jesus told in, uh, in the Bible. If you want to grab a Bible, it's Luke chapter 18, verses 10 to 14. Luke 18, 10 to 14. I didn't find out what the uh, page number is in the church Bible, so if somebody wants to shout it out just as soon as they find it, that'd be great. 1052. 1052 in the church Bibles. That's the red ones in the pew. If you haven't got one, grab one of those. Uh, Luke chapter 18, um, starting at verse 10. 1052. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, this is Jesus, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So, two men walk into a church. It sounds like the, the start of a joke, but the point that Jesus is making is very serious. There's two groups of people represented by that parable. You've got the one guy who thought he was good, and then you've got the other guy who knew he was bad. 
The first guy is a very religious person. He probably goes to church twice a week, three times a week maybe. He puts a lot of money into the offering. He probably knows the commandments back to front. Uh, Surely he's the kind of guy that God's interested in. Does anybody know the film Snow White and the Seven Dwarves? Does anybody like that film? Anybody like that film? Yeah, Disney, Disney, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. In in that film, there's a queen. um, And she thinks that she's the most beautiful lady in the land. And she's got this magic mirror that she says, who is the fairest in the land? And the mirror says, "Um, you, my queen, you're the fairest in in the land. Mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? You are. She loves herself. She absolutely loves herself. She's full of herself. Just like the Pharisee in this parable. Verse 11 and 12 says, The Pharisee prayed about himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. So you've got this guy who thinks he's good. Then you've got this other guy, this lying, cheating, uh, thieving scumbag of a tax collector. Who does he think he is coming into a church? God's surely not interested in him, is he? Verse 13 says, The tax collector stood at a distance. He couldn't even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Tax collectors were very, very unpopular. Nobody really liked them in Jesus' time. Uh, They were more unpopular than parking attendants, uh, injury lawyers, Telephone salespeople, all these people combined, they were more unpopular. Apologies if I've offended you already. (laughs) These guys were famous for being dishonest. They were famous for being untrustworthy. uh, And they couldn't even give evidence in court because nobody would believe a word that they said. So you've got this Pharisee who thinks he's right with God. And you have this scum of the earth tax collector who he knows he's bad. But which man does Jesus tell us? Uh, which man does Jesus tell us went home right with God? Does anyone know? Who was it? Yeah. Yeah, the guy in the black and white, the tax collector. He knows he's bad. You've got it. As far as he thinks he's right, it's the tax collector. He's the one who recognizes he's a sinner. He humbly admits that he's a failure. And he doesn't rely on his own goodness. In verse 14, Jesus says, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other man, the Pharisee, went home justified before God, or right with God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The Pharisees like these talentless people on Britain's Got Talent. They think they're good, but they're rubbish. They think they're amazingly talented, they're great, the world's going to love them, but they're useless. Let me ask you, How good are you? Have a look at the scale on the wall, on the screens. If 10 is really, 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 really good, and 1 is actually pretty bad, where would you put yourself? 5? Above average? 7? 9? 5? Good honesty there. 9. (laughs) 25. Oh, you're really good. The problem is, wherever you put yourself on that scale, none of us are good enough for God. We're forever disobeying God. We're forever rebelling 
against him. And that's just who we are. It's part of our fallen nature. God, on the other hand, is perfect. He is absolute truth. He can't lie. He can't steal. The universe is his anyway. He is perfect. Because he's completely just, because he's completely fair, sin has to be punished. Justice has to be done. Imagine somebody hurt you or hurt somebody that you love. What should happen to that person? You'd want them to get what they deserve, wouldn't you? You'd want justice to be done. They should be punished for their crime. However big or small the sin is in our lives, we're still sinners. That's the bottom line. We're all guilty, the Bible says, of sinning against God. And the result is that one day we'll face judgment. And we're not going to be standing before Simon Cowell or Amanda Holden or Piers Morgan. We're going to be standing before God himself. And God doesn't care how well you juggle, how well you sing, or you dance. He cares about how well we've lived our lives. And unfortunately, we already know what the judge's decision is. It's a big, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, the Bible says. And the Bible tells us that the punishment for sin is death. The wages or the consequences, penalty for sin is death, the Bible says. So there's a real penalty for rebelling against God, for doing our own thing. In fact, John the Baptist, some of you will maybe know, uh, he said this, the axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And throughout Jesus' life on earth, as he went around uh, speaking to people, he was pleading with them, urging them to repent of their sin and turn to God. He says, unless you repent, you too will perish. Repentance means turning away from your sin and choosing to do something else instead, choosing to please God. It's a total direction change. You're going one way, you turn to face the other way. We're sinners, just like the tax collector. We fail the test. We miss the mark. And the consequences? Judgment. Punishment. Hell. But there's a whole other side to this story. Because the Bible tells us that since time began, God has loved us with an undying love. He's got a plan, a rescue plan, that he's been bringing about throughout history. The Pharisee, he thinks he can save himself, but he can't. We're dead in our sins. We're totally unable to do anything to save ourselves. But God does the only thing he can do. He sends his son Jesus to take the punishment that we deserve. He pays the price. He does the time. He bears the pain of separation from God on the cross. That's what it's all about. Church, Christianity, life, that's, it revolves around this. You see, when I was your age, boys and girls, I thought that I was actually okay. Uh, I thought I was a Christian because I went to church every week, sometimes twice a week, My mom and dad and my grandparents are all Christians. I thought I was pretty good compared to some people. Well, as nice as these things are, at the end of the day, none of them matter. I thought I was okay. I thought I was safe, but I wasn't. I was pretty sure I'd get into heaven, but I was heading for hell. 
That's why Jesus writes this parable. It's a warning to all of us. Have a wee look if you've still got your Bibles open. If not, I think it's on the screen anyway. Maybe not. Um, Verse 9. The verse just before the ones that we read, the one that I missed out, it says, there is, to some who were confident of their own righteousness or their own goodness and looked down upon everybody else, Jesus told this parable. I wonder if that's you. Is that you this morning? That was certainly me. That was my problem when I was your age. Are you trusting in your own goodness? This applies to everybody. Are you trusting in your own goodness? Are you trusting in the faith of somebody else? Maybe your family are Christians. Maybe your parents. Maybe your children. Somebody you know. Your postman. Are you trusting in somebody else's faith? Do you think that you're actually pretty good? Do you think that you're okay? Are you trusting in anything other than Jesus? Because there is no other way. Jesus himself says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one, but no one, comes to the Father except through me. Jesus made it possible for all of us, however good we think we are, or however bad we know we are, Jesus makes it possible for all of us to be right with God. That's all a Christian is. That's all I am, a sinner, somebody who knows he's a sinner, trusting in Jesus. I wonder, is God calling you to trust in Jesus this morning? Judgment's a certainty. One day Jesus will return in power. And he's going to uh, judge the earth. The earth will tremble. But by then it will be too late. He says, I tell you, whoever acknowledges me before men... The Son of Man will also acknowledge him before the angels of God. But he who disowns me before men will be disowned before the angels of God. So there's a choice each and every one of us has to make. It's a choice that I made when I was 17. It's the difference between life and death. It's a choice many of us here have already made. Praise the Lord. And it's a choice you can make right here and now if you haven't already done it. It's not an easy life by any means. Let me tell you that for sure. It's difficult to do the right thing. It's difficult to do what uh, God wants us to do and live in His way, especially when the world's telling us something different. And there'll be struggles, I guarantee it, but He promises to be with us every single step of the way. That's encouraging, isn't it? We can know life in all its fullness now and live the way that He designed us to, to live And we can enjoy eternity with God in heaven. It's a costly life, but it's absolutely free. It's a free gift. This morning, you can choose to put your trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus who died on the cross for your sins, who took the punishment that you deserve, who rose again after three days, and who sits now in heaven awaiting the day when he'll return to judge the earth. On that day, where are you going to stand? Where will you stand?